On today's show, we'll be joined by weekly co-host Ali Khan Bajani to break down some of the big picture takeaways from the Rockets' pair of back-to-back games in Denver against the Nuggets. Some of the positives, some of the negatives, some of the concerning trends defensively, things that this Rockets team needs to get ironed out. Some possible changes that could really impact and, and, and benefit this Houston Rockets team. We're going to break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where you can help the show out tremendously by commenting anything below. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, the X's and O's man himself, Ali Khan Bijani, who can follow on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. And then on the opposite end, I am back home. I am no longer in freezing cold Denver. You don't have Beanie Jackson today. You've got Hoodie Jackson today. Um, I, I, I literally, I have fresh off my flight. I am home. My left ear still hasn't unpopped yet, but we are sitting down to bring this episode to you guys. Ali Khan, let's start with the back-to-back set of games in Denver. We're going to look at some bigger picture stuff here in segments two and three. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> just he just starts laughing. Look, I, I don't know why. I guess I'm like a masochist or something, but I did decide because I was so... It was so perplexing, like how how bad they looked in game two compared to game one against the Nuggets. And so I decided to, against my better judgment, download the two games and like have them on my laptop so that I could like go back and rewatch some stuff while I was on my three-hour flight back to Houston. And Ali Khan, I... Great TV right there. That was phenomenal television. Ali Khan, I was so like upon... I don't think I was critical enough like in the, in the initial recap because upon like secondary watch and kind of looking at some of the plays and just some of the stuff. I feel like the effort was just not there by the Rockets. Like, like, and this is a team that I feel like this season hasn't lacked for effort. They haven't lacked for desire trying to win, right? This is only the second like blowout loss of the season. And even, you know, Silas and KPJ talked about it after the game. They said that their, their readiness wasn't quite there. And it's, I think it's a little frustrating. Like it's just, like what happened, man? Like there was there was no discipline. They were abandoning like the plays that were being drawn up. Like you know, the moment they hit like any adversity, Denver would try to blow something up in the half court, and they would just like, oh, well, all right. KPJ ISO, Jalen Green ISO. Like just it was it was very frustrating upon rewatch to see you know happening over the course of that second game compared to especially how how well they played in that first game. <sighs> You know me. I like to look at. He's speechless. He you has no me. words. <laughs> I like to look at positives. I like to look at things that build. But we talked about this, Jackson, a few months ago when we did the scheduled release episode. I said I'm looking at a few games as super important with this young squad, and those are those back-to-back games. I was very disappointed. You had a terrific first half offensively in Game One against against Denver. You were only done like three or four points at halftime. 
And you're like, this is something you can build on. You know, you lost the game, but you can build on it, right? You you were competing in the game until the end of the third quarter when they won that little eight oh run, kind of went up mold like high high end double digits and kind of put the game away. Game two comes out. Man. I don't understand. You 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 had two games, I mean two days to look at the film. You have already gone against it in terms of the actions they run. You know what's coming. They know what's coming for you. Yet you essentially poop your pants. It I mean, was... It's just, it's frankly, I, there's no X's and O's to this. I'm sorry if you're here for X's and O's talk, but it, frankly, it's embarrassing. You have two fast break points in the first few quarters when you're supposed to be a fast break team. That's inexcusable. You you struggle at creating in the half court, so your offense is predicated on scoring quickly in transition, but you're slowly bringing the ball up. I get it. Your defense struggled. You, you gave up layup after layup, and so you're, you're playing against a set defense. That does not mean you slowly bring the ball up. You still try to push the pace. There was very little urgency in that game, for yeah, sure. It, it's it's fr- Frankly, it's disappointing that you, you have a team – that has all these players with all this talent. They have the, there's un, it's unquestionable they have the talent. But why aren't you playing well? What is the reason? What, what is the reason you're overhelping? Jackson, you were there at practice. The the the, the days the days in between, right? Tuesday, yeah. you were there at practice. Steven yep. Salas said what? We're working on our help. Jalen yep. Green talked to you. We're working on our help. Because Alperin was oftentimes one on one against Nikola Jokic, so you saw, you know what, in that second game against Denver, let's let's help a little bit. Let's help a little bit. You don't help away from the best shooter on the opposing team. Yeah, the the the, the decision making process on on who to help off of, when to help, like it was the the entire. And this is what's so weird is it, it almost would have been like they probably would have just been better off sticking with the original game plan going in from game one, which was just let Jokic be on an island with Shingun and just all right, Alpete, good luck, like good luck handling the two time MVP instead, because instead you make him into a ten assist first half player. Yep. What what, what are you doing? Yeah. The, and, and that's where I, I, I'm at a loss, Alicom, because I don't know if it was necessarily the the adjustment and the game plan that was flawed on their, you know, their decision to try and force the ball out of Jokic's hands more to help him, you know, to help with LP, or if it was the execution of the game plan. I think it's probably a little bit of both, a little it's bit a little of column bit of A, a little bit of column it's, B. It's definitely a little bit of both, and frankly, it's also the execution. I think a friend of the show, Itamar, posted a clip of a guy helping on the nail away from Michael Porter Jr. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're gonna you're gonna try to go and help on an Ishmith drive. Ishmith we're gonna pull up from three on you. What are you doing? If I mean it's, you know you have you have your head coach, then you have your assistant coaches. You have your player development. Your assistant coaches are there pregame, sitting with the players, going through film, helping them understand what their assignments will be. This is a second game. You're playing the same team. Why are you making mistakes you weren't making the first game? That that is the question I have. It's a young team. I get it. They're going to make mistakes. I get it. They're going to try to get their own. I get it. But this is not just a one game problem. I'm talking about problems that have been going on for multiple weeks. You have a guy like Shangun who's so good at passing the basketball. 
but he feels like he has to get his own. Jabari, there's a reason why Jabari doesn't put the ball down on the floor when he gets the ball. He needs to get his own. We've talked about this. It's just, it's frustrating to watch because it's such a talented group. If they learn to play together and to play off each other's strengths, they would be such a better team. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, I think, for the most part, and I th- this is where some of it comes down back to like some of the success of this team throughout the season. Are they, are they succeeding just because they're just a talented group? Like, are and I say succeeding, right? Succeeding in the terms of like they've been competitive by and large through the majority of their sixteen losses, except for this one and the one loss earlier this season against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I mean, I-, I think sometimes it's just the talent will prevail at the end, but. As far as just this game especially, right, the, I, I think it's maybe even more frustrating because you look at, you know, what happened in game one, you go to game two, and there was just a distinct lack of, disi- you know, no no discipline with guys on the floor, a distinct lack of maybe like accountability as well, because the game got out of hand so quickly, and then, you know, they kind of played even the rest of the way, but they weren't ever really able to get back into it. They weren't utilizing Al P the same way offensively that they did in the first game because they were doing a lot of cool stuff with him in the first game that just wasn't there at all in the second game. And some of that is credit to the Denver Nuggets. They made adjustments. They they switched things up a little bit. But at the same time, the Rockets just felt like they just, they just came out flat. They came out flat. They didn't have the right energy, and they weren't ready. And ultimately, that falls back on yeah it's, it's some some of it's on the players for sure but that preparing the team getting the team ready falls back on the coach that falls back on on Silas and so having sat through it a second time and like just watching certain spots of the game and and seeing and again the players aren't without blame here I think I think everybody it has a little bit of blame here for how the team looked but Coming up, do you want to discuss with you something that we've been, been has been an ongoing trend, right? With with the Rockets is what's going on with the five spot, right? You've got Al P, you've got Usman Garuba, you've got Bruno Fernando, who's now re- returned to the lineup, uh, and I got a chance to kind of ask Steven Silas about what some of the you know what some of his thought processes in the rotations, in the decisions for who plays and when, and how they balance those five guys at the five spot. We're going to talk about that, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every single professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer, even esports. They've got you covered for everything over at BetOnline. Right now, you can take a look at who the odds-on title favorites are this year in the NBA. Boston Celtics leading the way, leading the pack by a wide margin, plus 375 to win this year's title. Got the Milwaukee Bucks right behind them at plus 600. Golden State Warriors at plus 750. The Phoenix Suns at plus 800, and then a distant fifth is the LA Clippers at plus 1,000. So for all of those odds and more, be sure to visit betonline.net to learn about the trends in action available to you. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ali Khan, one of the things, too, that, that stood out in this game is... You know, this was, I believe, Monday's game against Denver was the first game in which Alpi and Bruno Fernando, both active and ready to play and available this season. It's only been four games, but it's the first game of the season where Alpi has gotten the start over Bruno Fernando. And I think he did well with his minutes in that first game against Denver. And then second game against Denver rolls around and it's, they struggle, right? And I think Mike Malone did a great job of like trying to counter the Rockets rebounding their size um, with 
DeAndre Jordan, who was fantastic in both games, really gave the Rockets trouble. Uh, they had a lot of size compared to the Rockets, and I think that was one of the issues that the Rockets faced is they don't have a lot of size at that five spot, right? Alpi's an undersized five. Um, Garuba is basically a four at the NBA level. He's an undersized five, and Bruno Fernando is the biggest of their fives, but even he was not having a lot of success in the minutes where he was out there having to check Jokic or dealing with the size of DeAndre Jordan. So, I mean, as far as like the coaching chess match goes, having DeAndre Jordan in your back pocket to put throw out there in the second unit to, I don't know, shore up the rebounding department really worked out in the Denver Nuggets favor. But I did think, you know, after, after the game Monday asked Silas, so, you know, what goes into it, right? What, why did Shingun start? And why did you go Usman Garuba as the first sub off the bench? Bruno Fernando got those spot minutes to close the second half once Al P was in foul trouble in the first game. Um, and his his response was basically more or less along the same lines as what he said before Bruno Fernando returned to the uh, lineup, which basically, it's going to be fluid. And he said Al P got the start because Al P's been playing really, really well. And he brought Garuba off the bench first because he felt like they needed a little bit more defensive versatility on the floor. And he mentioned that the times when Bruno Fernando's going to play is probably going to be more so depending on the opposing team's defense and whether or not they feel like they can get you know, get going downhill and, and utilize him as a lob threat, you know, kind of offensively. And so I thought that was kind of at least shine a little bit of a light on when we can maybe expect some of those guys to be subbed in when they can be subbed out, you know, yeah. what, what the rotation pattern at the five spots going to look like. No, it, it tells me a lot about what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to be able to play against the matchups, right? And Bruno Fernando will likely play downhill when you're playing against a team that does play drop coverage, but it may not necessarily help right from the weak side corner, similar to what the Rockets do. So we may see that. But, you know, something else that Stephen Salas talked about that was really interesting to you, to your question. He said he acknowledges that it'll be difficult to play three centers. That's interesting to me. So which of those three is not getting playing time? And <sighs> and, and, and Jackson, I have a question for you because you were there on the ground. And for our Locked On Rockets listeners, Jackson was the only, I, I mean, I don't want to say only, but he was one of the main people there who traveled to Denver. I was the only one there. He was the only one there. Okay. <laughs> so ja Jackson honestly had a lot of great opportunity to be on the ground and see everything. So Jackson, let's pick your brain here. When you were there, right? When you were there and you were going through all of this, what stood out to you about how they're operating in practice with their bigs? What stood out to you in terms of on the court, being there in media and seeing how they communicate? Which big out of those three do you feel like is a leader on the court? Because I think that's going to be really important to determine. And leader, I, I, I use leader in multiple ways, right? But in the in the, in the crux of an NBA offense and defense, somebody who's vocal and gets the team organized. So if you had to rank these three guys and figure out which one does those things the most, from first to third, who would it be? It's so tough because I think that... I think that when you're looking at the Rockets five spot, I, I was, I put a lot of faith in the organization early in the season when we found out, oh, Bruno Fernando is going to, you know, be, you know, the starting center and he's going to, you know, he's had such an impact through training camp. I don't see Bruno Fernando doing or bringing to the table the things that Garuba does defensively or that Shingun does offensively. And that's where I think the Rockets kind of have their, their problems inherently is the, is none of these guys are without their warts. Shingun is a superb offensive player and his issues defensively are overblown, but at the same time, 
he does struggle defensively. And in fact, after talking with a couple of the Rockets assistant coaches kind of before, before these, you know, Nuggets games and kind of getting to pick their brains a little bit, the entire defense is skewed towards helping Alper and Shingoon when he's in, when he's on the floor. Bingo. And the fact that like they angle the entire defense, which we're going to talk about a little bit, kind of some of the Rockets pick and roll coverages in, in segment three, but the fact that they have the entire defense skewed towards helping LP and he still struggles is not a great look. And it also winds up making the guards look kind of bad. It makes the perimeter defense look worse because it looks like they're not doing their jobs when in reality they're struggling because the workload on them is, is monumental, if you will, because of what they're trying to do to, you know, hide LP, if you will, or cut or make up for his shortcomings. But then you flip it and you go to Usman Garuba, who doesn't bring nearly the offensive punch that Alperin Shingun does, but the Rockets defense just, it becomes really, really good when Garuba's on the floor. His ability to switch, his ability to navigate pick and roll coverages, his communication is the other part that stands out with Garuba. Garuba is a good communicator on defense and he calls things out in the pick and roll. Um, that was something that was highlighted to me. So with that, I mean, it's it's almost impossible to like rank them and just say one, two, three, because Garuba and Shingun are basically like polar opposites in what they bring to the table. Now, Garuba, I would if I had to argue the two, I think Garuba's offense is above currently Shingun's level of defense. Okay, okay. Well, so with, if with, with that with that in mind, then right, if you had to give playing time. Right now, I will tell you, Alper, I mean, you've been talking to assistant coaches. My assumption is, and tell me if I'm wrong, so they want they want to give LP 30 to 32 minutes a night, and uh, just as the five. And yeah. that means you have around 16 to 18 minutes for your backup center or slash four who can play that role. Is that Garuba or is that Fernando? I, I think it's Garuba right now, for sure. Um, and I, I think that I think that the way we're going to see this thing kind of work itself out is the Bruno Fernando minutes are going to be kind of the spot minutes here and there where maybe there's a specific matchup that they can take advantage of, or there's a specific defense, you know, a scheme that they're going up against where they can throw Bruno out there and, and get that downhill lob threat going. But the way that LP has played and the way that guys are learning how to play off of him offensively, I think, the coaching staff is starting to be aware of that. And they're also trying, they're also very specifically, again, catering the defense to trying to, you know, help LP on that side of the floor. And, and a team doesn't do that unless they want him out there, right? They want LP to be out there because they know how potent of a weapon he can be offensively. And there's still times where offensively, it feels like he's not being used like he was like in that first half against Denver, the first game, like it felt like he was like that connective tissue piece offensively. Things were running through him, even though he wasn't like just getting post up after post up or elbow touch after elbow touch. He was touching the ball, like every possession down because the nuggets were playing drop coverage and he was slipping the drop coverage, which shouldn't be an issue. Like if you're playing drop coverage, a slip shouldn't hurt you, but it was because Jokic wasn't moving his feet. And so LP was making them pay for that. And the decision-making by LP offensively was great. And that's why the offense looks so good. But yeah, I mean, at this point, like I think it's, I think the hierarchy of center is very clearly Shingun, Garuba, and then Bruno Fernando in that tertiary spot. I'm eager to see here, Jackson. You know, our play in the third segment is going to be about drop coverage. And I'm eager to hear from you based off of your comments. 
and based on how the defense played, what needs to happen moving forward to be able to maximize that? Because if Shangun and Garuba are going to play, right? Those are two different types of bigs defense, or those are, those are two different types of schemes that you're going to be employing with those two players. And not just for this season, but for future seasons as well. We're talking big picture now, right? We're going to the X's and O's in terms of not just this season, but moving beyond that as well. Curious to hear from you when you were on the ground, how you think that will work, and we'll get into the play and kind of break down what drop coverage means for the Rockets' uh, defense with Shangun coming up next. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So Alec and I have voiced a lot of our frustrations over these first two segments. So let's kind of dive in a little bit here. This is, you know, we, we do a lot of film breakdown here. Uh, with Alicon here at, you know, our unofficial, we stopped calling it Locked on Rockets Film Room a while ago, but it's, I mean, that's, that's always been our unofficial tag for these episodes. So let's try and figure out what in the hell is going on with the Rockets defensive coverages. And we have our visual tool uh, to kind of help out if you're following along on YouTube. Uh, you pointed to the wrongs. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's that way. That, if you're pointing on YouTube, it's on that side, Alicon. So let's pull that up. So, yeah, just do whatever. Just point every direction. Point up, down, left, right, and eventually you'll point <laughs> at the right spot. So, Alec, I'll walk us through because, I, you know, I have an understanding of what the Rockets are trying to do defensively, and I, I mentioned it earlier. You don't? Okay. There is no <laughs> understanding for what they're doing defensively. Okay, got it. Look, you know, I, yeah, just go, go ahead. Go ahead. So, the, the Rockets... We hear we hear different terms, right? We hear like the drop coverage and things like that. Rockets run different types of coverage. It's not just whole wholly just a drop coverage. But before we get into that, let's talk about what drop coverage means, Jackson. Drop essentially means your big is far back from the perimeter. Not far, far back, not like Brooke Lopez or Paul Gasol against James Harden in the 2017. Uh that, that's what you would call a deep drop. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep drop, but a drop is more so towards that free throw line area, kind of trying to contain the ball handler when they're coming off the screen, right? And your your defense, the, the perimeter defender is kind of going over the top, kind of stay at the hip of, of, of the offensive player. Then in being a drop coverage, you can protect both the ball handler and also that screener who's trying to dart north to south towards the rim, right? Now, what the Rockets do because of Alper and Shangun is they like to help, okay? And help can come from either two places it can come from the strong side which is where the ball is angling towards so the nearest corner defender or wing defender or it can come from the opposite side most likely is going to come from the opposite side or the side with two or more shooters okay and so in the case with the rockets what they've been doing is that they bring a guy from the corner to be able to come help let's say there's a let's say the so there's a pick and roll going on the left side okay guys in the middle of the court Screens on the left side, guy goes left. They're kind of, you know, everything is the action, the ball, everything's happening on the left side. Then there's two shooters on the right. Well, since there's two shooters on the right and two defenders on the right, one of those defenders is going to rotate over. So that big, especially if they struggle kind of containing both uh, the ball handler and the screener, which is something the Alper and Shangun sometimes struggles with and he's trying to get better at, then you have an extra defender there to take away the lob threat or that pass inside that. 18 to 15 to 12 foot area where they will go up for a, a layup slam dunk whatever okay so you have that kind of the guy who cheats over who helps over from that corner when that happens it is the responsibility of that lone defender on the weak side so that slot defender to be able to then 
rotate either towards the corner shooter who gets the ball or then back to where their initial assignment was. And then also you have people who are able to kind of go into rotation from there. So as soon as that help comes, everybody else needs to know and communicate, right? Communicate, hey, I'm helping. I'm com- I'm coming over week, 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 or I'm defending. I'm coming over as help, help, help. Whatever your code is, right? You're coming over. That's when the rotation sparks, okay? And so in this case, that's kind of how it plays. You see it on the screen. I kind of vocalize it to you. What is the problem with the Rockets defense, though? Jackson. They do don't think? ever they don't ever know where to be is the problem. That's 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 what it is, is I mean, so like it in theory it makes sense, right? Like in theory, it's like, oh, this is a great way to like help, you know, Al P or, or any big that is struggling in the pick and roll, right? This would be a great coverage, a great scheme, but you have to have you have it's it's two parter, right? You have to have capable defenders who can actually like make the closeouts, make the, you know, understand the reads, all that. And then it's a communication element just as the team, like which you already, which you already highlighted. And so it's like a two part issue for the Rockets where I feel like they've got guys who are capable of executing the scheme, but aren't doing it. Like I, it's, it's just tough. The number of times that you see like, okay, pick and roll is happening. Okay. Guy helps over from the, you know, from the weak side. And then it's that one defender caught between the two shooters and he's having to decide, okay, who am I? Am I, am I going to the, to the shooter, you know, that's on the wing? Am I still covering the corner? Or you see like a late rotation where that guy is stuck on his man in the corner. And then it's just a wide open shot on the wing because the guy is not in that, that middle ground kind of, you know, hovering between the two guys. Cause that's what it is. It's what it's one lone defender stuck checking two shooters on the perimeter. Yeah. And it's up to that defender to be able to recognize where he needs to be. And it's also up to the, the help defender who comes over to help with the pick and roll to be able to recover and get back out to the perimeter quickly. If the pass gets back out there and it's like a two part issue. So actually it's like a seven part issue, but it's like, it's, so it, it's 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 very complicated. Defenses are supposed to be complicated, right? There's drop coverage. You can also run drop coverage, but do it in a defensive scheme called weak. What weak what weak means essentially, Jackson, is that you're trying to push the offensive player to go in the direction of their weaker hand. So if I'm a right-handed basketball player, I'm trying to go right, right? I'm trying to go right. But if I'm a right-handed basketball player as a defense, if I'm saying weak, weak, usually if you if you see people um trying to do weak they'll they'll they have multiple different signs one can be kind of putting two hands as a fist or just different signs depending on what's going on that can also be a zone right but this whatever whatever the sign is they'll put they'll say weak you'll hear it on the game if you pay attention closely and they'll essentially try to force and shade that hand towards the weaker hand and force them that way in that time as well you can essentially play a drop coverage technically but you're kind of focusing on that weaker hand so that's another example just to kind of give our audience some understanding. The Rockets do employ weak defensively. You may see that. Just pay attention to the, the ball handler where they dribble, and you may hear it, when, especially um, in games where you can kind of hear what's on the court. You'll be able to hear the Rockets say weak. But I bring all this up, Jackson, because we've been discussing Alper and Shangun and Garuba. I think the Rockets are playing the, the wrong defense with Alper and Shangun. That was gonna. That was actually gonna be where I, I. I'm glad you brought it up because that's what I wanted to pitch it back to you and just say, well, like if if you had the opportunity to employ a defense for this Houston Rockets team, what would you run? What would you elect to use to? I can't say take advantage of Alperin Shingun defensively. What would you employ to have him not get taken advantage of defensively? How's that? You know, it, it's tough, and I'm a boomer bust gamble kind of guy. I want to generate turnovers. 
All right. That's how I feel like, especially with a team that struggles in the half court, I want to generate turnovers. Now, if I give up points, I give up points, but I want to give up points with high energy and effort. This Spo- team, Spoiler alert, you're already giving up points with this defensive scheme, so it can't exactly. get much worse. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me say something about this Rockets team. They like to cheat, they like to gamble, they like to overhope. That's their MO. It's something that they need to learn. They need to figure out not to overhope, but they like to. So if you're playing with a team that likes to cheat, overhope on drives, do all those things, play a perimeter-oriented defense. Hedge, trap, put two on the ball, force them to rotate. Get in the passing lanes. Right, we've talked about this. The way defenses are predicated on getting turnovers now is a hybrid of zone and man. The Rockets cannot do that. They are not equipped with the experience yet to be able to run a hybrid zone man defense, like the Celtics do or like other but, teams do. But they do have young, energetic athletes who are lightning quick. And if you just started blitzing left and right, then you might actually be able to get something done. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying you run this all the time. Nobody's telling you to run this every single possession. But hedging, simply hedging with Alperin Shangun, letting him show a little bit so he's at the perimeter so he doesn't have to dart back and kind of play with his hands high and having to decide, am I picking up the five or am I picking up the one? Who am I picking up here? Having him at the perimeter and having your help defense, which always likes to come over at the rim like a K.J. Martin, which advocate, which is me advocating to start K.J. Martin in this case. But having having or Jabari Smith, who's been an excellent job, honestly, as a weak side rim protector. I have to say, let them take advantage of their strength, just coming over and protect the rim on, on rotations. Al P can stay towards and kind of just stay focused on one ball handler, right? And allow him to slowly get back into the play and set back up in the paint. You have a team like Jalen Green, who is slender. KPJ, who is slender, can go around screens and kind of hope, hedge and kind of trap and and for, ice them, kind of ice the ball handler towards the sideline. You, you can do all those things. And to me personally, that is how I would do it. Now, I get why the Rockets are doing it this way. They have a young team. They need to learn the defensive principles first. They're they're still learning how to close out. I will have to say they're a much better closeout team than last year. I have to give the, the coaches coaching staff credit for working very diligently with the Rockets players on closing out. But even then, I think ultimately you have to start putting in some more perimeter-oriented stuff and go from there. Switching works when you can kind of – play in a shell defense and the term if you're listening to us what a shell defense essentially is is if you're containing your defense it's a shell around the the paint a shell around the perimeter a shell around the rim you are not allowing anybody to get past you okay that's a shell the rockets have a cracked shell one guy comes open and water comes right in right the ball handler can go straight in so if that's the case and this team is rotating it likes to rotate likes to cheat put them into rotations have your defense have your players play to their strengths. I think hedging is a good p- potential, like couple possession here and there, a game solution to help you with Alper and Shangun, particularly when he's not playing with another four or three who can help protect the rim for him, right? If you're playing with a three guard lineup and you don't have rim protection, right? Maybe sometimes throwing this out there can help you. And so, so I, I just think, you know, besides switching, besides just drop, besides just weak, adding some hedging, adding some trapping, um, adding some showing, you know, just doing things that kind of help you as a defense utilize Shangun more to keep him on the floor is a good thing. Also, number one, number one from all of this, the pro. You try, you're trying to not allow Alp to get into foul trouble. He he if 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 I were to go and look at the stats, I don't have them in front of me, so I'm sorry, listeners. But if I go to, if I were to go to look at the stats, I look at Alp's defensive rating 
when he has like let's say it's the first quarter and he already has two fouls, it significantly probably declines. We can see with the eye test because he just plays more passive. But whenever he's not in foul trouble, he plays more aggressive, especially offensively, which allows him to make those risks, make those passes, do those things. Keeping him in a situation where he's hedging, right, where he's on the perimeter and keeping his hands away, which he can do, will allow him to stay away from foul trouble and allow your K.J. Martins and Jabari Smith of the world to rotate over, allow your KPJs and Jalen to stay in front and kind of help and get into the passing lanes and get out in transition so you get easy points. So for me, that makes a lot of sense to, to employ moving forward. I like it. I'm sold on the idea of of them hedging, of them showing a little bit more. I've throughout this entire season, I think one of the downsides has just been like some, you know, you'll on any given game, you'll see the Rockets go up against another team and they do they employ a diverse array of like defensive things, especially like the Clippers would do a bunch of stuff defensively. The Raptors did a bunch of stuff defensively. Like there's other teams that get really creative with how they defend. You know, even Nick nurse, his like calling guards, like he'll throw out a random, like full court press in like the first quarter, just to like take you, you know, take you out of your rhythm. rhythm. That's all it is. Teams are going to score. You have to get a team out of rhythm. And for this Rockets team, if you can get another opposing team out of rhythm, it gets them going offensively. And we've talked about this, the Rockets defense, is predicated on their offense. Once they get going offensively, their defense is much better. Yeah, which is unfortunate because you, I, normally you'd like it to be the other way around, right? You'd like to your defense to get your offense going, but it's also something that kind of feeds into itself because this is a Rockets team that is not running, right? They they talked all you know training camp all through media day about wanting to run, wanting to get on transition, they do not and run. they don't. They walk up the court even in transition. It's yep, yeah, and by by. Forcing some turnovers by get, by igniting some fast breaks by playing the goon squad significantly more because that goon squad lineup does actually do some of these things right they cause havoc defensively they get out in transition all of those things um, I don't know I feel like this Rockets team desperately needs a fresh coat of paint they need to change they need to try some new things change some things up maybe a change to the starting lineup which is one of the worst if not the worst starting lineup in the entire NBA as far as net rating is concerned. Um, KJ over Eric Gordon would be uh, a breath of fresh air in that starting lineup to allow them to continue to do some better thing or uh, unlock some things differently that they could do defensively rather than having the three guards out there. But we have gone at length, Ali Khan. This has been like a really like, this has been a cathartic episode for me, I think. I, how, how do you feel? Do you feel a little bit better after this? I feel good. And I, and I, I want to say something because I'm usually not very negative. I like to provide a optimistic look on the team and try to pr- pr- provide some more insight. And last time I did a show where I was negative, people commented and said, why are you bringing on a guy who was negative? I, Jackson, am I a negative person? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So when I'm saying things, it's not because I'm negative. I'm a Debbie Downer. It's because I see there are issues and I'm trying to put forward solutions, which I think can work. Which Jackson and I talked to players. We talked to coaches. We talked to all these guys. Jackson was there in Denver. He gave us great insight. This is just an honest perspective. And in my opinion, the best perspective you're going to find on the Rockets so far this season is listening to Jackson every single day. Well, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Also, we're not going to call you Debbie Downer. We got to call you Boohoo Bajani. Um, But anyways, with that, we got to wrap this show up. Ali Khan, let everyone know where to track you down at. Follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. Make sure you're following us at Locked on Rockets, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Stitch. I I don't care. Wherever you get your podcast, Twitter, make sure you're following us. um, And we'll see you next week.
That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, appreciate you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We are also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.